It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected and picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six into the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for Crowder 85 yards there was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he'll hit immediately when he got the handoff you know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. oh my gosh listen thank you from the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are talking about the draft being wrapped up because the 2020 NFL Draft is in the books. But believe it or not, the 2021 NFL Draft is not as far away as you think. It's less than a year. So want to bring in somebody that could talk about what the Jets just did in the draft and also give us a little preview in terms of who the Jets might be looking at drafting in 2021. I hate saying that now, but unfortunately, that's kind of been the ritual for Jets fans over the last 10 years. He's the owner and founder of WalterFootball.com, Walter Cherapinski. Walter, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I got to tell you, first and foremost, for those that don't know you, I have so much respect for you because you told me that you're celebrating the 20-year anniversary of the site right now that you built from scratch and you've turned it into this sort of empire. And for people that don't know what you did, you and you were talking about the guy that founded DraftCountdown.com whose name escapes me right now. You guys were the first two to really get in on this online draft coverage because when I was coming up, Mel Kuyper was the guy. The only way that you could really get information was to order Mel Kuyper's draft guide and then you would wait for it to arrive a couple weeks before the draft. But you guys really pioneered online draft coverage where year round you did all the draft stuff. People could look at your mock drafts all the way through the year. And then there's this whole cottage industry that popped up after that. And I'm not saying that they're not good at what they do, but you really were the originator. So tell me a little bit more about the site, how you founded it, and what it's been like for you to see it explode and to see the industry of mock drafts and draft coverage year round explode. Yeah, we started the site in 99. Um, it was a high school project uh, for my uh, internet class. Uh, you know, that, that was the thing back then because people didn't really know what it was in 99. Uh, so uh, one of the projects we had to do was make a website about something we liked. And I was like, oh, I love, I love football. Let me just make a football website. And back then it was just, um, it was picks against the spread. It was power rankings. And then it was just a bunch of links to NFL.com. Uh, so like over the years, I kept adding to it. And when, when I graduated high school, it became a uh, hobby of mine. And then I, I liked writing so much that I, I thought, hey, I could put this on my resume. And uh, eventually I, I got some ad offers. So I've been doing it full time uh, for the last 13 years. Uh, but we, we uh, went into draft coverage in 2001. I, I remember reading Scott Wright's uh, uh, mock drafts on, on Draft Countdown. Um, and I, I thought it was, it was great. I always looked forward to his mock drafts and I was like, Hey, I, I want to do this myself. Like I, I, I love, uh, the NFL draft. I want to predict where the players are going. 
Um, so I, I started doing that myself. The 2001 uh, draft was my first mock draft. It was the uh, the Michael Vick, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson class uh, with Drew Brees too. Uh, so that that was a fun draft. And then um, you know ever since then we we've expanded our draft coverage exponentially. I uh, added on uh, Charlie Campbell, who I, I think is. A, the best uh, draft analyst out there. Uh, so we, we've been working together for the past 10 years uh, or so. And um, yeah, just, uh, you know, we have mock drafts in advance. We have a 2021 or we have a 2021 mock draft on our site uh, that has two rounds. We also have 2022 and 2023 mock drafts as well. So we kind of go nuts <laughs> with it. You're really looking forward. And I don't mean just to 2021. You're looking forward for years and years to come. But I think that's one of the great things about your site, Walter, is that you can get an early jump on things. And if you're a Jets fan, unfortunately, that's kind of been where we've been at for a while. But I want to ask you before we get to the future drafts about the draft that just happened with the New York Jets. I noticed that you were a little lower on the Mackay Becton pick at number 11 than a lot of other people were. I know that most Jets fans were really excited about it. Mackay Becton was on the podcast, got an opportunity to talk to him. He can't wait to come in here. And I know that there's been talk about his floor being a little lower than some of the other tackles, but I don't think it's anywhere near as low as some people are making it out. As I joked, some Jets fans are acting like his floor is Wayne Hunter. I think it's more <laughs> like serviceable starter. I think Kelvin Beecham is more of his floor. Different type of tackle, obviously, because Beecham is a much more polished blocker but I'm just saying he's a guy that's been a serviceable starter in the league for quite a while so I think worst case scenario that's what he could become I think best case scenario he becomes an absolute dominator and I think he's working with the right people to do that I think he's got the right physical tools and as Joe Blewett said when he came on the show to review the film if he can get to even average technique he can be an absolute monster because of the fact that he's so gifted both athletically and in terms of size and strength. So I want to ask you about this. I know that Wirfs was on the board, and I know that they didn't go up and get Wills, and certainly they weren't going to go up and get Thomas. What was it about the pick that you didn't like as much as other people did? Well, I, I, first of all, I agree with the uh, the sentiment about the upside. I mean, he has enormous upside for sure. Um, like, he, he could be a great tackle, like you said, if he improves his technique and uh, just just progresses like he's uh, he, like he could. Um, he could be a Pro Bowl tackle for years to come. Like, he could be he could be like Jason Peters. I, I feel like he has that sort of upside. Uh, but I, I think of all the you know, the first ten, for, I guess first eleven picks in the draft. Outside of Justin Herbert and I guess Tua because of the injuries, I, I think I, I would say he has the lowest floor out of every single pick in the top eleven. Uh, so that that was the reason why um, I was a little down on the grade. I, I don't, I didn't hate, I didn't hate, I didn't hate the pick though. I, I think um, you know he could be a great player for them. He obviously feels a need. You, ha you have to protect Sam Darnold. Uh, so I, I didn't mind the pick. I, I just. I just don't like the floor on it because uh, like you said, the, the technique needs to be worked on. And, you know, if he doesn't put in the work, uh, which, you know, he could, uh, but if he doesn't, he's not going to be a very good tackle. Uh, he's going to be pretty pedestrian despite his athleticism. Um, so I, I worry about that. I, I know some teams worried about his weight uh, being an issue long-term. Uh, so that's another concern. Uh, so I, it's, it's just the floor really like that. That's the only reason why I had a lower grade than some, some others might have, but, um, I could definitely see the upside with the pick. Would you have given any consideration to taking one of the wide receivers at number 11? Uh, no, I, I don't, 
I, I guess not. I, well, maybe Jerry Judy. I, I love Jerry Judy's uh, route running. I mean, I, I've heard from teams that said that he has uh, the highest football IQ from a receiver that they've seen in a long time. Uh, so I, I could I could have seen the the Judy pick, um, but I, I think the I think you have to protect Sam Darnold. Uh, so I, I think first and foremost they had to do that. So um, I, I from a needs perspective, I, I like the Beckman pick. And what about in the second round? Because Denzel Mims is a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go in the first round. Just looking at his physical tools and even some of the things that he can do. His ball skills, for instance. Even his speed. On film, he doesn't look as fast as he did at the time 40. But still, 4.38 for a guy his size. He's somebody that a lot of people looked at as a potential number one wide receiver down the road, and he does fill that need because going into this, Walter, we knew that the Jets really needed to add pieces to help Sam Darnold. As you said, building the fortress around him up front, so Mekhi Becton takes care of that. And then Denzel Mims, to trade down from 48 to 59 and still get Denzel Mims, that seemed like a home run to me. Yeah, it seemed like great value. I, I feel like he, you know, he should have been in consideration for the Packers pick, but they they kind of lost their minds and, and went with the quarterback. Um, I, 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 I like the men's pick a lot, especially trading down, like you said. I mean, it was, it was a great move. Um, yeah, I feel like the, the reason Mims fell is because uh, teams are kind of concerned that he doesn't play up to his time speed, like you you mentioned. Uh, the four eight, the four three eight was great, but like you said on film, it, it's not good, and he drops some passes too. Uh, so he's he's kind of a you know he's. I don't want to say he's a project, but he's kind of raw a little bit. Uh, it's kind of like the Mackay Beckton pick. Like the upside is is certainly there. Like it's great upside, but he he also has a low four. But I mean, if you're going to get him in the second round, uh, especially after trading down, I, I thought that was outstanding. Would you have made the trade down? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think that was a good move. Um, the Jets made a couple of uh, good trades. I, I I believe they uh, they traded down in in the third round too uh, with mm-hmm. the Patriots. I think right, and they uh, they allowed the Patriots to get a backup tight end. So I thought that was a good move. And then what about if Denzel Mims hadn't been left on the board? Who were some of the guys that you would have considered? I like Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU. That's probably the guy I would have gone with. I wouldn't have forced the receiver there. What do you think about that? I wasn't a big fan of Fulton. I remember him like being torched uh, pretty frequently in the um, in the championship and actually in the playoffs. Um, I, I, was surpri- I was surprised people had him in the uh, in the first round. Um, I, I had him graded in the third round, uh, mostly. So, um, I, I don't think I would have gone there, but another corner would have made sense. I guess I, I can't exactly remember who was on the board at that point, but, um, you know, I, I don't, rec- I, I don't think Chase Claypool was there. He was, he, I know Pittsburgh took him in the second round. Uh, so I think the jets probably could have gotten him if they didn't trade down. So, um, I mean, he would have made sense for sure. Uh, but I, I think I, I like Mims. Uh, I like getting Mims, especially after trading down. What about in the third round? A lot of people thought that Ashton Davis was a bit of a luxury pick, but I didn't really see it that way because I think he can be a jack of all trades and then eventually he's going to take over for Marcus May. You got to look forward, Walter. You know how that goes with the league. You got to plan a year ahead if you can. And so when a player like Davis slips to you at 68 and you know that Marcus May's contract is coming up and he is 27 years old and has had injuries, that's the type of player that you pounce on. What do you think of that pick? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen with the Jets safety uh, situation? I mean, there, there's been talk that they want to trade Jamal Adams, and then they don't want to. Like, there's, there's always rumors surface uh, surrounding that. Uh, and, and then you, like you said, the May situation. Uh, you know, he's going to be uh, his contract's going to be up soon. So, uh, Ashton Davis is someone who can, um, you know, can, uh, contribute on special teams. 
uh, this year. And then next year he can take over as a starter. If uh, the just move on from one of their safeties uh, somehow. Um, and I, I think he's, he's like the first two picks. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a trend that uh, Joe Douglas has gone with um, just to get these uh, high upside guys with below floors. Uh, Ashton Davis is, is fast and athletic, but he needs to get stronger. So I, I don't think he's ready to play uh, every defensive snap right away, but by 2021 he should be able to. And for now he can focus on doing a bunch of different things. He can play a little bit in the slot. He can play a little bit up on the line. He can play a little bit of linebacker. He can play a little bit of free safety, which is where I think he's going to end up in the long run, replacing Marcus May. So he's a dangerous weapon, certainly for Greg Williams. Yeah, it's a it's a nice chess piece for for Greg Williams, and I, I think he went a little bit a little bit lower than some people expected. I, I saw him in the first uh, mock to the first round uh, in so, some mock drafts. Thought that was a little too high, but I mean, some people do think highly of him, and uh, he has great upside. Like I said, and then the second third round pick, I didn't love this one so much. Jabari Zaniga, I know he's got a lot of upside, but there's been some injuries, a little bit of a lack of consistency. This seemed more like a swing for the fences type of pick. I don't know that he's necessarily boom or bust because he does have high character and he has flash when he's been healthy, but the injuries definitely would have made me nervous and the lack of consistent production too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's someone I um when I first made my 2021 mock draft or 2000 uh, 2020 mock draft back in 2018 or whatever, uh, I think I had Zuniga in the first round at some point uh, just because of his potential. So this is kind of like the fir- the fourth uh, uh, swing for the fences pick uh, for the Jets. It's, it's like I said, it's kind of like a, a running theme for them. Um, he, he has great potential for sure, but yeah, the injuries are, are like our concern. Uh, he hasn't lived up to his potential at all yet. Uh, so, I mean, he, he could end up being a, a very good edge rusher for the Jets, uh, but um, there's a chance he might not do anything. So I, 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 I think the pick is, is solid, um, you know, uh, for a, th- a third round pick. I think it was nice. And then the fourth round, they had three picks. And this is where it got a little interesting. You said that the first four picks were more high upside swings. I don't think you could say that about LaMichael P. Ryan. The description I've given many times is that he's fine at everything, but he's not great at anything. He's not especially good at anything. He's just solid. Is that more or less how you see this? I don't think that's great value in the fourth round, but it's not the worst thing you could pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'd want a little bit more upside, but I, I didn't mind the pick. It's fine. Uh, he, sh- he should be a good backup uh, running back in the NFL. Uh, he does everything just okay like uh, he's he's a solid receiver out of the backfield he gets nice yards after contact uh he's, he's not a, a slow running back by any means but you know he's not fast either uh, like he's decent power like he's just he's just okay um so he, i think he's someone you'd want in maybe in the fifth round uh maybe sixth round but fourth round i, I guess that's fine like if, if they want to go that route uh i know the jets signed frank gore today so um it'll be interesting to see how lp ryan competes with gore And then the second pick in the fourth round was Captain Morgan, James Morgan, the quarterback from FIU, who, as I've said many times on the podcast, is from here on out only going to be known as Captain Morgan. This was a weird one for me. I just don't love the idea of drafting these backup quarterbacks unless you think there's absurd value. Sam Darnold's 22 years old. Morgan is 23. And really, even if he develops, at what point is he even going to play? And if he does play, what are you really going to get for him? I always laugh when people say that teams are going to draft a guy, develop him, and turn him into some sort of commodity. 
I know that it's an interesting theory, but in reality, it really doesn't work out that way. The last guy that I remember something like that happening with was Hasselbeck. Even Jimmy G, he was close, but not really because they ended up trading him for a pick in the same round that they drafted him in originally, so they didn't gain anything from it. I didn't really love this. I know Morgan has some upside. He's got a big arm, and he's a good kid, and he's smart. But it felt more like they might be trying to keep him away from the Patriots or something than drafting him <laughs> to help them. Because even if the idea is you want a reliable backup quarterback, he's not going to be the backup his first year. Or at least I can't imagine that he will be. So this isn't even going to take effect until next year. And if he does end up being good enough to play at some point, he's probably going to end up going somewhere else and they're not going to be able to trade him for an upgrade. So it's just felt strange to me. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of is um, is the 2012 draft uh, when the Redskins, uh, they selected Robert Griffin uh, second overall, and then they drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. And uh, I didn't like that didn't make sense to a lot of people at the time, uh, but it ended up being a good move because uh, Robert Griffin suffered the injury and then Kirk Cousins took over as a starter. Like granted, they didn't really get anything out of it uh, in terms of uh, like, outside of a compensatory pick. But I, I think that like the value with James Morgan, I think was too good to pass up. Like he was my favorite favorite of the quarterbacks not taken in the first round. Um, I, I, I liked him a lot. I, I liked him more than Jalen Hurts, who was drafted in the second round. Like he, he has so much upside. Like you said, the arm strength is there. Uh, he's smart. Uh, he's a good leader too. So like the Captain Morgan uh, nickname he has is like pretty appropriate. So uh, I, I, I thought he was a steal in the fourth round. I thought he should have gone in the second round. Uh, so, I mean, if, if the Jets did this only to take him away from the Patriots, it, it might have been worth it. I will say that I think it would have made some sense in the context that you just mentioned for, say, the Dolphins because of the fact that Tua is injured. And, of course, Morgan is already in Florida, so he wouldn't even have to leave the state. If they had done it, especially with all the draft capital, I think that that would have been a move that you could wrap your head around. But for the Jets, it seemed a little bit odd. But... I do like the fact that he has a lot of upside. It's never a bad thing to have a quarterback with that kind of upside. With the pick after that, though, you want to talk about upside. Cam Clark, who, by the way, has already become good buddies with Makai Becton. So if he develops into the type of player that everybody's hoping for, you could see those two mashing dudes for the next decade. What do you think of this pick? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 very powerful. Uh, I, I don't know if he can play tackle in the NFL, though, and I, I think that's okay. I mean, they have George Fan and Makai Becton to do that. Uh, I think he's going to have to move inside to guard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he has uh, definite, definite upside as a uh, just a powerful guard to open up running lanes. So um, yeah, in the fourth round, um, this is a solid pick, I think. Then the fifth round is where I think that they might have gotten one of the steals of the draft. Bryce Hall, the cornerback from Virginia, Obviously fell because of the injury and because of the situation that's going on right now. Teams couldn't really properly check him the way that they would have liked to. And so there were some questions about it. But I thought for a guy who put together some really, really good film, who could have easily been a second or third round pick and certainly would have been if he had come out last year after his junior season, to get somebody like that in the fifth round is tremendous value. So I thought that was the steal of the Jets draft and one of the best picks of the entire draft. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, usually when you see uh, fast and tall cornerbacks uh, slip, it's like 
okay, what happened to this guy? Is he, does he have like off the field issues? Uh, was he, was he terrible? Uh, like recently? Um, but yeah, the injuries are, are the thing, like, like you said, but I, I think they can be over overblown, um, especially like this year when you can do the medical checks, but uh, you know, he's uh, he is huge upside. So he's kind of like the first four picks. Um, so, you know, he, he could fill a need. He could, he could start, uh, for the jets at some point, um, in the near future. So, uh, to get that sort of player in the fifth round is, is a huge steal. And some major league production too, because at UVA his junior year, he led the nation in pass breakups. So it's not a projection. You're looking at somebody who actually showed you that he can do it. Now the question just becomes whether or not he's going to be able to do it at the NFL level. And the injury will tell a lot about how that works out because I think he's got the size, the instincts, and the ability to be really good. It's just going to be whether or not he's healthy. With their last pick... The Jets go out and they get a punter, Braden Mann. And there were a lot of jokes about this, but Walter, you know the story here. Most of the time when you pick guys in the sixth or seventh round, you're getting guys that are damaged and they slip for a reason. You're getting guys that are not all that much different from undrafted free agents. So if you feel like you can find your punter that can be the punter for the next 10 years and you don't have to worry about it again because the Jets have had a lot of problems getting punters and kickers to stick for the long term, I don't see the harm there. I like the value. I don't think that it's a home run pick or anything like that, but I thought it was a good move by the Jets to get Braden Mann. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I I, I don't like drafting punters, you know, unless it's the last couple of rounds, last round, whatever. Um, because my argument is that like you don't want your punter on the field uh, because that means your offense is not doing well. So, like, instead of drafting a punter, why don't you use a, a, like a high draft pick? Like, the you know, the Jaguars, they drafted their punter in the third round. Like, why don't you use that sort of pick on someone who makes you not punt the ball? Uh, so like uh, that, that was always my argument about punters, but if you're spending a, a like a late round pick on a punter, it's whatever. I mean, he's, he's going to kick the ball and hopefully he does it well. Oh, with Adam Gase's offense, unfortunately, I think we're going <laughs> to end up seeing him a lot more than we would like. <laughs> they traded their last pick for Quincy Wilson to the Indianapolis Colts. I thought this was a good move because Quincy Wilson probably offers more potential than anybody they were going to get at pick number two eleven. At this point in the draft, you're really grasping at straws. So to get a guy who was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, maybe he sticks, maybe he doesn't. But I thought it was a worthwhile gamble. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he's only he's only 23. It's not like he's some washed-up veteran. Uh, you know, there there have been late bloomers before. Uh, so maybe he does something for them. Uh, maybe not. Um, but he's he's just as good of a gamble as someone you could just draft uh, as a rookie. So yeah, why not? Why not make the move? While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Walter, you do this stuff year-round, so you know these guys pretty well. Who are some of the best undrafted free agent signings that you saw after the draft was over? Because this year, more so than any other year, it was a really important process. Yeah, um, usually, I mean, usually these guys don't make the roster. So I, I think uh, I think the UDFA process is a little overblown. Uh, but there, there have been some, uh, you know, some some kind of big names that were undrafted. Like uh, I thought uh, Thaddeus Moss um, going undrafted was kind of a surprise. Uh, you know, I, I thought I, I thought he could be like a third or fourth round pick, but he he just went undrafted. Uh, I know there there were like injuries were an obvious concern. Um, so like it, I, I guess that's that's the reason why uh, he he went undrafted. Uh, AJ Green, uh, the cornerback from Oklahoma State, who went to the Browns, um, I thought he was one of the better uh, undrafted free agents. Like I, I thought he should have gone maybe like fourth, fifth round. Uh, so uh, I mean th- those are, those are the two guys who come to mind. But I, like I, I probably uh, oh Jet Jet Anderson, uh, the running back for TCU who went to Dallas. Like Dallas is a, a crowded backfield, so I don't know if he's going to make the roster there. Um, but I, I thought he was someone who should have uh, been probably t- taken in the fourth or fifth round. So those, those are the three guys that come to mind. We talked all about the Jets, but I want to know your thoughts on the draft overall. Who are some of your winners and losers, and what were some of the best picks off the top of your head that you really liked? Um, the, I thought the Ravens did a great job. I mean, when you when you have Patrick Queen fall to you at 28, I, I think that's amazing. Like he, he could be – I don't want to call him the next Ray Lewis or anything, but he could be their next, like, in the line of after Lewis and C.J. Mosley and then and then uh, Patrick Queen. Like, he's going to be their next uh, great linebacker. And then to get him at 28, I, I thought that was a huge steal. Um, we heard some buzz about Queen generating some interest from teams in the late teens. Uh, so I, I don't know why he fell. I probably going to Charlie's probably going to find that out, but um, that was a steal. JK Dobbins is someone the Ravens had a first round grade on and, and they got him uh, in, in the second round. Uh, and you had like teams like the Steelers that needed a running back pass on him and he just fell to the Ravens. So I, I, I thought the Ravens had a great draft. I thought the Vikings had a great draft too uh, to get uh, Justin Jefferson um, at 22. I thought it was a nice bargain. And then uh, Ezra Cleveland in the second round to, uh, to really help their offensive line. 
Um, I, I thought the Vikings had a great draft, although they had like a billion picks. So <laughs> I, I guess that, that makes it look good. Um, I, I thought the two losers of the draft of the Packers and the Eagles um, both drafted uh, quarterbacks early. Um, I don't understand why uh, the, the Packers Packers kind of like really messed things up um, with their with their uh, contract situation with Jordan Love, because if, if you look at the teams that have been very successful out of the blue, um, you know, I'm talking about like the Seahawks in 2013 uh, with Russell Wilson and then the Eagles uh, coming along and winning the Super Bowl in uh, Carson Wentz's second year. Like a lot of these teams have, have success out of nowhere because they have these rookie qu- quarterbacks on their rookie uh, rookie contracts. So like they don't have to pay uh, the highest paid position, a lot of money. Um, and so they, they're able to really stock their, their roster and, and just have a great roster overall, but the Packers can't do that. I mean, they have Jordan love on their rookie contract, but they have to pay Aaron Rodgers a ton of money. So they're, they're really not going to benefit from, from the uh, Jordan love savings. And by the time Jordan loves contracts to me up, it's probably like, that's probably when Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. So they're never going to have a great, great roster because of that. So I, I thought that was a huge mistake. And the Eagles, uh, Eagles had a chance to trade up for CD lamb uh, going from 21 to 16. Uh, they, they had to give up the second round pick and they didn't want to. And then they drafted uh, Jalen hurts. And I, I thought that was a big mistake. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking. Like he's going to play five snaps per game for them. I, I thought that was a big blunder. I said the same thing on draft night, actually. I don't understand how you not only let CeeDee Lamb go, but you let him end up in your enemy's arms, and all because you didn't want to give up a second-round pick that you use on a backup quarterback. Just absolutely bizarre stuff. The Cowboys came out on top there, and the Eagles let themselves get played as far as I'm concerned. So that was very strange stuff. I want to ask you, Walter, before we go about the 2021 draft, Jets fans already looking forward towards that. One name that we've been looking at is Patrick Sertain Jr. because the Jets are going to need a cornerback. And as I was telling you before we started recording, it would be kind of funny to take him and have him and rub it in the Dolphins fans' faces because his old man was obviously a longtime Dolphin. Tell me about some of the guys that Jets fans should be looking at early on. I know Sertain is one of them, but corner and edge rusher are two areas of great need in the long run for the Jets, maybe even receiver. And obviously, there's always going to be a needed offensive line as Joe Douglas continues to rebuild that unit. Yeah, so uh, yeah, like you said, Sertain is definitely one of the better uh, prospects in the 2021 class. Like, obviously, a lot can change, but he he might be one of the he might be the top corner uh, that's come off the board. Um, there there are a couple of other good corners. Uh, the uh, Israel Mukamu from uh, South Carolina. Uh, he's he's a huge cornerback, six six four two zero five. Uh, he he had a great uh, he had a great year. So uh, he he's he's probably going to be a top fifteen pick. You also have Sean Wade from Ohio State. Uh, so I, I, those are three corners you can look at, uh, edge rusher is not like that prevalent in this class. I, the one guy who, uh, stands out is Joe, Joe Tryon from Washington. Um, he, he has a nice frame and, um, he, he has the upside to be like a great edge rusher. Uh, so he's, uh, he's currently in the top 10 in my mock draft. Um, and, and the Jets might need a receiver. So there, there are some very good ones. Uh, Justin Ross from Clemson, Jamar Chase from LSU. And you have two guys from, uh, from Alabama, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. So uh, there could be four receivers taken in the top 15 of the 2021 class. So it, it's looking like a great class, uh, you know, and, and some of these prospects might fall to the Jets because, um, you know, they're, they're going to be two, qu- two quarterbacks probably uh, taken at the top. So, um, yeah, it's, it's looking like a good one. This is why you got to go to Walter football year round, because these are the things that you can read about all throughout the summer and then into the season. So if the Jets let us down again, 
we can start getting amped for the draft. Walter Cherapinski, the owner of WalterFootball.com. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. It was great having you on. I hope you'll come back again soon. I know that you've got a book out there, and I know that you're thinking about writing another one. I'll tell you an idea. You had one before we started recording, but another one that you might want to think about is when Charlie Campbell does those, Why the Drop? That could make an interesting book, too, because there's been a lot of guys that dropped in these drafts and nobody knew why, and then it gets revealed much later. So that could be a possibility as well. But I'm looking forward to reading your next book and all the other stuff that you've got going on at WalterFootball.com. So Tell me about what's over there right now and what you're going to be adding soon. Yeah, so, uh, th- thanks for the idea. I have to pitch it to Charlie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you'll like it. Um, so at WalterFootball.com, uh, we have uh, updated 2021, 2022, and 2023 mock drafts. The 2023 mock draft, I had to, I had to get help from our college uh, football recruiter, uh, writer, Corey Long. Uh, so because, you know, obviously those guys haven't played in college yet. So uh, he, he he did the write-up on them, and he did a great job, and he he does great coverage of college football recruiting. So we had that as well. Uh, we're going to have season previews of every NFL team this summer. I already started working on them. Uh, fantasy football rankings that are going to be updated every day during the summer. Uh, and, and just tons of content overall. Uh, we have picks against the spread in the fall. Uh, we grade every single free agency signing and trade. Uh, so, yeah, check us out at WalterFootball.com. Make sure that you visit WalterFootball.com year-round and follow Walter on Twitter at WalterFootball. By the way, quick shout-out to my buddy Chris Walker who helped put this interview together. If you need somebody to take care of your marketing needs, go ahead and check Chris out at WeRetaliateFirst on Twitter or RetaliateFirst.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.